0: Fresh off the back of an electric 2021 season, F1 enters a new era once more by going back to the late 1970s with ground effect cars, poor poising, and almost zero coverage to speak of at the test. Welcome back to the Grid Talk podcast. Hosting today will be me, Owen Medford, and joining me are Steve Jackson from Formula Shakedown. Good morning. Tom Downey from Everything F1. Good evening. And Aaron Harper from the Five Red Lights podcast. Good evening. Today we'll be sort of reacting and analysing the first pre-season test of 2022, uh, formerly named the Pre-Season Session, so they don't have to cover it with the TV, at the Circuit de Catalunya. So be sure to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Formula One Grid Talk, and then ring the bell icon so you're notified of future shows going forward, particularly what promises to be quite an exciting season. My plan for the episode really is to go sort of through... From uh, in constructors, constructors winning order uh, from last year. And I'm completely disregarding times because I don't care because they mean nothing and you can't really get anything out of them. And even if they did, they're all within about three seconds of each other right now, which I'm sure setup will uh, sort out by the time we're actually turning a wheel in anger. I'm going to start with Mercedes at 393 laps. And I'm going to throw it to you, Aaron. I don't know how much of you've seen of the test, but it's sort of quite, you know, bearing in mind that Mercedes didn't seem to sort of get too many laps in over the three laps. So they've got the sort of second highest lap figure. I don't know if you noticed that, but do you think it's sort of, I don't know, do you think it's it's happy running for the for the Silver Arrows or do you think there's there's more to do, bearing in mind their car looks quite underdeveloped in comparison to some of the others?
1: I think they're in a decent position. They did a fair number of laps on uh, the first day and then they did, Not quite so many on the second day, but yesterday, day three, they did quite a lot of running uh, with uh, George and Lewis. I think they were top of the lap count for that day. So I think they've ended up second behind Ferrari in mileage in terms of laps completed. So I think they'll be fairly happy with what they've done. I mean, the card compared to some of the others does look fairly undeveloped, but then there is something to be said for sort of understanding your initial baseline. So where they think the car should be in terms of its development and what they've actually designed, and then they'll know the correct avenue to to go down because there's no point throwing stuff on it now and not really understanding what's influencing what. And considering we haven't had ground effect cars since, well, none of us were here (laughs) last time they had ground effect cars, there's a lot to learn. So obviously the, the porpoising issue is something that they've got to get a hold of, and that's just all the teams as well. But in terms of Mercedes, I think they looked good. They ran mostly long on the first day. They did a little bit of work in terms of setup changes the second day from what I saw. And they were one of the few teams to do a proper long run in the wet on uh, Friday, which could actually bear bear some fruit for them if there's a wet race early in the season, because they'll understand their car pretty well in that respect. But really, it's, it's just about getting laps under the driver's belt and Obviously, settling George into the team, even though he's not that new a face. So, I think they're in a decent position and they're not eight time world champions for no reason. So, I'd, I'd trust them to know what they're doing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it seemed like Mercedes can probably engineer their way out of the uh, the porpoising problem. Apparently, they are one of the worst, and uh, you know, eyewitnesses a. Uh saying that they're one of the worst affected. But as it's been said, Mercedes are quite good with suspension. I'm sure they'll work it out. Now, we've got the Red Bull next, Steve. Uh, 358 laps, 206 for Max Verstappen and 152 for Sergio Perez. That was stopped short a bit by a gearbox issue. But sort of what are your thoughts maybe on how, sort of how aggressive some of the parts of the Red Bull look, particularly in comparison to the Mercedes? It almost looks like Red Bull, even though they pushed so hard last year, have, have managed to, to sort of really maximise the regulations as far as we can tell.
2: Yeah, it's almost like they've, uh, they, well, Red Bull and Mercedes have looked at opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to testing the 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 grey areas that they can exploit. There's not so many of them this year, but the Red Bull just looks, um it's a typical, very aggressive Adrian Newey design. It's very uncompromising and he's well known for designing cars that are sort of designed to go very, very quickly and not be... Uh, not not be unfavorable to drive, but just, just, you know, require a a fairly particular sort of driving style, which is where I think Max comes in. Uh, I mean, besides Checo's gearbox problem, I think they had a relatively hassle-free three days of not testing testing i don't know what we're calling this um, but they, it sounds like they got through their run plan and that they're, they're they're quite happy with what they've found so far um from what i understand they are bringing a fairly revised package to Bahrain for the actual test so i'd be interested to see what that entails they may it may have been something that they weren't sort of planning on doing until they saw what other teams are doing, and they they may have noticed a couple of things that they've possibly missed. It, it is possible that they want to try. So, one thing that I did notice with the with the Red Bull, in terms of the very limited footage that we've seen, I think this the, I think this applies for most cars anyway, but for the Red Bull especially, it moves around a lot, especially in a couple of the high speed shots I saw of it, it sort of describe it maybe as a wee bit oversteering and whether that's them trying to get around the porpoising issue with slightly different suspension stiffness or whatever it may be. Um, I'm not too sure, but it, it's, it looks, it's going to be quite fun to watch. I think if that's uh, if that's the sort of movement we can expect with these cars at high speed, but yeah, like there's not really been any major complaints out of, uh, out of, out of the Red Bull camp, Max seems pretty content with the whole thing. Checo didn't really have any complaints. I'm not concerned at all about the gearbox issue because this is testing or, well, it's not testing, but it is. So really, you'd expect teams to have these sort of interruptions in their run plan, not interruptions to the level that like Hass and that ball well, pass and Alfa Romeo had, but there will be sort of contingencies in there just in case something goes slightly wrong. So, yeah, at this stage, it's a I think they completed something in the region of 350 odd laps, 358. So, yeah, they've had plenty of running, and I'm more curious to see what that car looks like at Bahrain because I think that might be more representative of what they actually plan on running in the first few races.
0: Uh, yeah, 100%. But, yeah, it looks it, I just, we're sort of seeing changes that the team's having to make, bearing in mind you know the, the we've got some phenomena that we're not we haven't seen in a in a long long time. Speaking of phenomena that we haven't seen in a long long time, Tom is Ferrari with topping the uh, topping the mileage charts with 439 laps. That's a good something like 10 over over the next sort of next nearest uh, Mercedes. It it kind of looks like the Scuderia are serious this year. Like it, it almost looks like a reversal of 2009 when we had those big changes where they've kind of obviously they haven't had to do a title fight and and they've been able to really focus on this car. It's looking good for them, isn't it?
3: Yeah. And I think this sort of ties onto the progress they're making in 2021 because 2021 was very much the sort of the year of the rebuilds of Ferrari. And so obviously because we knew we had these regulation changes coming up for this upcoming season, I think much like some of the other teams on the grid, they focus a lot of their attention onto the development of this year's car because, Whilst there's obviously the aerodynamic side of it, Ferrari have had to effectively make up or find that um, that power deficit they lost in power unit. Plus, obviously, it's going to be packaged differently because it's a different, you know, you know, the, the cars are so much so inherently different this year. But the, prom- the oh, sorry, the initial signs are quite promising. And you know, I'm I'm not particularly a Ferrari fan. We all know I'm a Max Verstappen Red Bull fan and, and a quite a big McLaren fan. I would like to see Ferrari have a proper proper fight back at the top. We saw glimpses of it last year, and I, I for one, was certainly very, very much underestimating them or under-praising under them last year. So I think if we can see in 2022 a sort of good fight from them with McLaren, or maybe sort of even beginning to nip at the heels of, of, of the top two, or maybe even if, if they pull somewhat of a brawn in oh nine. 9 now obviously they've been around for, you know, Donkeys here, so you know, so it wouldn't be like obviously it's not a completely new team, but if if they can basically just turn up, throw down an Uno reverse card, and then just come out you know with pole position and then P one two in the race, you know in in the first race of the season, I don't think too many people would be complaining apart from McLaren.
0: Yeah, Um it's it's kind of it's it almost looks it still looks like a Ferrari resurgence of the nineties, both with the uh, with delivery of the car. Uh, and the performance is actually quite promising and potentially a little scary, depending on uh, what what color team gear you wear. You know the other the other side of the uh, sorry the other team that was conveyed, but, uh, really affected by 2008 was McLaren. They're uh, they next up uh, the 365 laps, uh, Aaron. Bearing in mind, like is that is that good enough? It's sort of has has a testing performance been been good enough to sort of warrant any sort of hope for the season like they they, they need to be moving forward they missed out on fourth in the championship last year as a as third in the championship last year is this the step that takes them forward
1: well that's what we're all hoping for and obviously we want McLaren and Ferrari to join the the two at the top and make it a bit of a bit more of a four-way scrap which would be incredibly interesting but I think it's been a successful test for McLaren because if you think back a few years they were barely getting down to the end of the pit lane with the older GP2 engine. And then they had the Renault, which was slightly underpowered. Of course, now they've got the Mercedes. And that car would have been tailored this year to fit the Mercedes properly, a bit unlike last year. And the car, from what I've seen, has looked well balanced. It looks fairly quick. They look in somewhat of the same order as last year. And obviously, McLaren topped the first day of testing with Lando. Obviously, we can't really look into times too much. And considering that it's not been a televised thing, we can't really see too much. We're relying on reporters on the ground and and stuff. But I haven't really heard anyone say that McLaren are suffering from any problems as much as anybody else. So the porpoising like uh, Mercedes and Alfa Romeo have been. But then they haven't been quite as stunningly quick as other teams. So they're maybe kind of in a bit of a no-man's land they will be crunching the data and they've got some good people there. So they'll, they'll be well onto that. And again, like I said about the, the Mercedes team, it's about getting laps in this new car for, for Lando and Daniel. And I'm pretty sure they have, would have heard about it if McLaren were unhappy with what they were doing or how things were going. It's almost a case of no news is good news for McLaren because <laughs> we will terrifyingly remember that every red flag was caused by a McLaren Honda breaking down or falling off the side of the track so for this group of engineers to be developing a car they need a firm baseline and that's what this test is all about really for all of the teams and considering a McLaren haven't had a, a technical failure that is you know a big tick for them they'll be very pleased with that it means they can do their run plan as designed and get the relevant data
0: yeah, as you say, that's hugely important. Uh, it's almost it's almost good to have an uneventful testing. You don't want people to notice you. You just want to have a a decent lap count, like they do have. Going into the opposite end of that spectrum is Alpine, uh, Steve, which is obviously they uh, there were rumours of a sort of hydraulic problem um, running all through test, uh running all through the uh, the first. Day and a half, sort of, and then they had the worst, the worst start possible. Like, how, how uh, concerned will they be in Paris uh, at, what, at what's happened with with the test so far?
2: A far a betting, man, I'd say very. Although that's just from the outside looking in. It was a really, uh, yeah, it's been a really weird sort of few days for them. The hydraulic issue you mentioned, I think, is linked to the hydraulic leak that caused Fernando's car to catch fire on, fr- on, uh, on Friday morning. So I'm not sure if that was part of L plan. If it was, I'm not too sure what the agenda is there, but yeah, not a fantastic test. They had some DRS issues. I don't think they actually were able to employ DRS in any actual, like, sort of representative. You know, testing so any long runs or quali- qualifying runs or that sort of thing. So, that's that is something that I'm factoring into this. So, no DRS, not like obviously, no idea about fuel loads. One other thing, I think it was Mark Hughes pointed out because he's been there for all three days. He noted that the Alpine sounds like audibly low on revs compared to everyone else. It's hard to do a direct comparison because there's no other Alpine power units besides the ones in the back of the Alpine. So it's it's tricky to sort of get a handle on whether that's them running it at a slightly reduced, uh, you know, reduced power just out of concern or whether this new turbo arrangement doesn't, uh, you know, it doesn't need the engine to rev as high as it, as it usually would. I'd sort of bet on the former rather than the latter. But yeah, really bizarre testing. Fernando gave, you know, reasonably good feedback by the sounds of it. Esteban really drew the short end of the story got no testing in on friday at all after the fire and i think they only completed something in the region of 266 or so laps um let me just double check yeah 266 laps so quite down on sort of the top five teams i mean you know red bull 358 mclaren 367 for a team that is trying to move forward even though they're still aiming only for fifth in the championship this year that's not a good start um i'd be curious to see what they do in bahrain to try and get around these issues or or you know whether these issues are representative of just a wider problem within alpine which we know has had some fairly bizarre managerial restructuring and just a bit of just a bit of inside controversy which obviously takes away from the important part which is the um the on-track stuff so yeah it's not looking particularly good at the moment. But again, I'd rather see them have these problems now than, you know, first weekend of the championship. And, you know, the, uh, they're a team that rightfully deserve to be further up than where they are. I think they've definitely got the they've definitely got the personnel. I, I would say they've got the drivers, especially in Esteban. We know he's quite capable. Fernando, we know what he's capable of. But he's also he's also getting on a bit. I don't think he's part of Alpine's long term plan. But yeah, it's, it's a bit of a, it looks a bit flaky, but I'm not reading too much into it at the moment because again, this is just, this really was just a shakedown session for all these teams before we get into the proper stuff in Bahrain. So yeah, the only thing I'm not too sure on is this cooling arrangement that they're running because the show car or not show car that they had a very complex set of levers along the, um, along the side pod, well, along the top of the side pods and sort of further back towards the Coke bottle area. They were all covered up and yeah, it's quite cold in Barcelona at the moment, but I, I wonder if they're hiding something or if there's another sort of design that they've got in the works that they're not quite ready to show off yet, because apparently they are also going to be bringing some new bits to Bahrain. So we'll see. We'll see. But at the moment, yeah, it looks a, bit, looks a bit flaky.
0: Yeah, certainly does. Right. Right. Uh <laughs> moving to moving to the next team after that, we've got um we've got the Red Bull sister team is Alvatore Not a great start for Pierre Gasly. they I think the first and only driver to crash in this in this session so far over the three days. 308 laps completed for them. I guess that's fine, Tom, but is is that is that is there anything that we we should be worried about or is that is that sort of par for the course that's that's testing. I
3: don't think there's too much to be worried about with Alvatore because you, you know because testing or not testing as this is, you know, You know, this is the first time that the drivers have driven these cuts. And obviously, like we sort of talked about, they are very different to last year's cuts. They're a completely different beast. You know, with them sort of twerking down the main streets and all the rest of it, yeah. the, the characteristics are fundamentally quite different. You know, does he crash once? Uh, yeah, I mean, he did that in 2019 when he jumped into the Red Bull. But this time, I don't think there's much to be worried about. He's just finding the limits. You know, he's just just seeing how far he can push it. And he pushed it a bit too far. It's a shame that that he crashed, obviously, but it's a sort of controlled environment, and as long as it doesn't become a habit of twenty twenty two, I was going to say twenty twenty one, then, but we're already another year in. I wouldn't be too worried, but they have some pretty solid looking running from from what I've seen. Nothing spectacular from from what I've seen. They're just going to sort of go about doing what doing AlphaTauri bits, where they just where they sort of just go around with with sort of good efficiency or the rest of it. They sort of seem to have taken over the, the void left by Force India where they seem to sort of do better than they should for a, for a team of their size. I know they're Red Bull sort you know, quote-unquote, backed, but it's not like they've got the resources of, of, of the main team, is it? Let's be fair. So, you, you know, so, so seeing sort of Gazi and Sinoda. Pushing the car like they do. Testing is looking promising. And did you, did you see Sonoda came out? I, th- I think I saw it earlier. I don't know how recently it was actually posted, but he said he reckons Franz Toss was fitter than him last year. It's like maybe that's not something you should admit, kid. You know, it's like you're supposed to be an athlete. You know, he's got he's got a lot to learn on what to say and when not to say it. And that's coming from me. I, I read that and I instantly thought, you know, Lord Hamill will be, uh, not probably not too pleased with that. So hopefully that's not a sign of things to come, and Hopefully it's just perhaps getting rid of some, some of the cobwebs or, you know, maybe, maybe sort of burning off some of the final piece and blankets from Christmas.
0: Yeah. I mean, if there are, if Yuki can Instagram account, is anything to go by. I think he's probably in a bit a lot better position than he was last year. Go judging by that. Also, I love the, I love the use of twerking in, uh, Working instead of porpoising. thats like a, that's that's a Formula One for the Vine generation. That is after that, we've got the team that did one of the teams that did no afternoon running on Friday. Aston Martin, two hundred ninety-six laps is pretty respectable. Dep- it's pretty respectable, bearing in mind the amount of running they actually had. Aaron, isn't it?
1: Yeah, that's uh, a bit more than maybe they would have hoped for, considering they missed an entire afternoon uh, after Seb's oil leak. Although well, we did see uh, Fireman Seb make a return, which was pretty cool. Again, it was a fairly quiet sort of test for for, uh, Aston Martin. Vettel was fifth fastest for what it's worth. No, uh, that's sixth fastest for what it's worth on day one and day two, actually, just checking my notes. Uh, And then Friday, he was uh, fifth fastest. So there is seemingly some pace in the car. Of course, they had the oil leak. So, I mean, that's beneficial because you you need something to go wrong because then you can get across how to fix it and uh, just your your processes for that because the Mercedes engine has been repackaged for this year and that is quite important. But yeah, the car looks good on track. It looks better with the the light green stripe than it does with the pink. I think they're about where they were last year. But again, like with uh, McLaren, there's not been too much going on. So first of all, you can't read too much into the first test anyway, because they're all sussing out their new machines and anything you do find, you're going to be trying to cover up and sort of keep a wrap on things. But also they're just trying to work out what they've got and they've got to build a platform of what they're doing. And, you know, in the end they're free, they're freestyling it. Unlike uh, Lawrence Stroll's speeches, which are completely scripted. So. It's not all doom and gloom for Aston Martin, and I think we'd have heard again if, if there was something going wrong, but maybe they're all just playing coy and everyone just wants to keep their cards close to their chest. I think Aston Martin are one to look out for, though, because it, it just I just have a feeling that they've got something right, that this car, it it looks good, so I'm really hoping it is good. <laughs>
0: Yeah, with the Aston Martin, it's almost like uh, if they gave points out for the livery, we'd, uh, we'd have them winning the championship. Speaking of cars that look good, we've got the Williams. I personally am a little concerned, Steve, because it's 274 laps, which is the fourth lowest of any of the teams. And as far as I can tell, Williams didn't seem to have any issues, any technical issues, any crashes or anything like that. Is this just, you know, is this a case of them getting everything done very efficiently? Or is it just that they couldn't run the car at all?
2: I've got a completely different... Completed
0: laps figure to you? Oh, dude! You, you know <laughs> what? I've got 347. Well, that's even better. So, uh, I I we're 347 for Will. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Well, um, we'll hold, split hold it down the middle. Uh, hold on, <laughs> hold on. I'll borrow it. Hold on, I'll go find it. I'll go find it. Carry on. <laughs> no worries. Firstly, no, no, I don't know where I got that. I think the race must be wrong then, because. uh <laughs> it
2: mar- might be. It might be day two figures that they've got there.
0: Like well they've, done yeah. that, they've done
2: that before, but that's fine. Well, firstly, I just want to say a big, big ol' I told you so <laughs> regarding the side pods. That's exactly what they're doing, I reckon. So if you didn't listen to last episode when we were talking about the second lot of car reveals, we had a bit of a chat around the side pods on the Williams and just the mysterious fact that we didn't see any sort of rear or side on shots. And there was a very blurry photo of the Williams with some holes in the side pods. There, there are indeed dim holes, and I think they're doing exactly what I thought, which is actually sending very deliberate air down onto the uh, upper floor and uh, probably under the beam wing, I'd say, because they want to avoid sort of hot air or dirty air going through there. But. Yeah, it's been a pretty tidy run plan for them. Both Alex and Nick seem quite happy. They were actually on to performance optimizations by day two, which is really good. So they obviously got the car properly dialed in day one. Obviously, the porpoising effect hit them just as much as it did everyone else. I don't think it was too bad for Williams, but that'll be more down to suspension particulars and that sort of thing. I think the porpoising issue is actually affecting cars with pull rod front more so than cars push rod front. That was just something I did notice in general. You know, the especially the Red Bull, it looked pretty horrendous at one point. And I think on the Ferrari as well, although that might be push rod. So I probably don't know what I'm talking about. But the yeah, like Williams's run plan seemed to go really without a hitch. I mean they completed they were Bang in the middle in terms of laps completed overall across three days. Al- uh, Alex Albon said that the car just sort of behaves. There's nothing sort of untoward in terms of its um, driving characteristics, which they have not sort of you know, which they they didn't expect. Besides the porpoising, and Nick's feedback was basically the same. It's this is reassuring to me. It's it's nice to see them just get through a run plan with no drama, no no sort of major you know. Episodes or anything, I don't think they had a single unexpected stoppage from memory. So it's looking quite good for Williams so far. Where they stand in terms of the grand scheme of things, don't know. It's testing, so it's not re- representative. Um, they were on. <clears throat> I mean, everyone on day three was doing what looked to be qualifying simulations, but they were always backing off in third sector just to, you know, hide any sort of performance. But Williams looked um, looked decent. It's definitely better in sort of mid to high speed sections you know barcelona sector three is probably the best representation of what cars will perform like in the third and you know in slow speed corners especially through that chicane um and we didn't really get any representative quality runs through there because they all backed off but the williams looked good through the second sector which is usually which is um you know majority of which is mid to high speed corners and yeah like a uh, good test see what they bring in Bahrain. I think they're quite happy with the car by the sounds of it, so I wouldn't expect it to look too different. But again, we may see some convergence of design between here and Bahrain because obviously the cars all do look quite different to each other. So I'm expecting some teams, maybe Williams as well, to have a look at somebody else's front wing or you know uh, particulars of suspension or that sort of thing and say, yeah, we might give that a go and see what happens. So yeah, I'm just happy that we're not sitting here, you know, talking about their car blowing up or falling off the track or that sort of thing it's been a tidy session yeah the
0: biggest mistakes uh, regarding williams apparently come from my mouth uh, when i got their laptop (laughs) wrong um oh we have the fun task of the final two now we'll start with the less bad one alfa romeo 176 laps as far as i could tell they were limited to just 10 laps apparently of intermediate running in day three but you know 55 laps for Valtteri Bottas and 112 laps for New Yuzhou is that enough time for is that enough time Tom for for those those two drivers to have got a hold of the car bearing in mind that's you know that's a brand new team that they're both stepping into
3: <laughs> no it's not <laughs> oh fuck me Bottas can't catch a break can he
0: yeah
3: uh I mean what can you really say? I legit just I like, don't have anything to add. I mean, yeah, it was just. I was hoping for a bit of a big change from Alpha Romeo this year, you know, because with it being new regulations, you know, but, you know, Kimi was passed a sell by date, and um, and Antonio, as nice as he was, I think. he... Uh, I think his time was up in F1. I think he showed too little too late. You know, with Bot- you know with Bottas coming, having spent what the best part of five years at Mercedes alongside Hamilton, I was hoping to see. Well, I'm still, I'm hoping to see something. You know, him bring some wisdom, and obviously we don't know what he's doing behind the scenes to sort of impart some wisdom up, upon the team. Guanyu uh, show? yeah, whatever. Yeah, you know, he he brings money ultimately. Never really set the world to light in F two. So, you know, not expecting to see an awful lot from him. But it's it's not looking good for them for, for this season if testing is anything to go by. Now obviously oh sorry, not testing, whatever, whatever they got. Oh, I don't care. He's testing, right? I struggle to see how Alpha Romeo are gonna keep their involvement in F one if this is how things are going to continue. Because why would they continue to pump all this money into the into the team? For for them for them to trundle around in you know towards the back of the grid like they did last year and the year before, I, I just I just don't know. There's nothing from testing really that sort of maybe or whatever is you know fake testing that that made me go, oh, there's a you know they might be looking at sort of like regular Q2 knocking on the door of Q3 a bit like George Russell last year. I didn't get that. I didn't see that. I didn't see anything from them that made me go, oh, yeah, I'm going to shit rainbows because it looks like they're finally on the app. I want to see them on the app. I just want to see, you know, every person, every F1 fan's dream probably is to see, you know, sort of like more, you know, sort of like see competition up and down the grid. But we're never going to get that because F1 is not a spec series. As much as they're trying to sort of head it that way, that's not going to happen. And unfortunately, Alfa Romeo, unless they're working on some absolute like magic wizardry shit behind the scenes that we're not privy to at the moment. You know, if, if they a rock up to to Barcelona, you know, doing a racing point 2020, then perhaps, but I'm struggling to see anything else at the moment.
0: Yeah. With mechanical issues, apparently mechanical failures on a number of days, it's almost like they, uh, they need to change, change the units of their CAD software back to what they should be. That's, that's my take on it. You know, it, it, like you say, it's really bad. It's a really bad start um, and, and things only get harder from here. Next, uh, I'm going to throw this more open to the floor. Um, obviously, we're co- recording this on the 26th of February. Um, I only say that because I think that's important based on how quickly the situation is moving and basically how much it could have changed uh, in the meantime between this going out, uh, being recorded and this going out. Uh, obviously, it should be fairly well publicised by this point that um, Russia has uh, ordered the invasion of uh, Ukraine. The team that that has furthest-reaching uh, effects on is Haas, and I want to kind of throw this open a bit more to the floor because I know that I'm not particularly knowledgeable about it. But my understanding is that EuroCali has obviously been, uh, as we as we saw in the uh, last part of testing, uh, has been stripped off of um, Haas's car, as has the Russian flag, and there could potentially be issues with payments from their major sponsor, URL Kali, and visa issues for Nikita Mazepin. Look If anyone's got any uh, more information or a better understanding of the situation than I do, then please come forward, because um, what, what are the implications of this, really, I think is the, the question I'm asking.
3: I think the bigger question here is what's going to happen to Hass. And I think we should probably steer the conversation that way. I'm not making light of the situation at all. Far from it. I'm, the only reason I say we should steer the conversation away is because I don't want to drag this into a political deluge. And like you said, don't mind, it's a very, very complex and fast evolving situation. So, regarding the house themselves, you said obviously they've dropped the EuroCuddy branding. We saw pictures of the, of the team overnight peeling the stickers off the trucks and they've redone delivery on the car. I say, redone. I prefer it without the delivery. I, I think it actually is quite nice because it doesn't look as busy. And it also confirms everything we knew last year when they, spent, because now that they changed the front wing um, to have just plain white, what happened to it being the colours of the American flag as well? Spin me the other one, hand, come on. But regarding the actual funding of the team, because obviously, Urakali brings a lot of money um, to sport in general, um, and obviously they've they are the title sponsor of Haas. I'm going to use the present tense because I haven't heard confirmation that they are not at the moment. Again, chaps, if any of you knew different, please correct me because the last thing I want to do is spread false information. But one rumor I have heard, now obviously we know what F1 is like for Chinese whispers, and this is probably started by Bernie Eccleston or someone. If Mazepin can't raise, and you know, due, due to visa issues, which I would not be surprised in the least, if that happens, you know, given the global tensions, political tensions. If you can't race, that means that the Eurocali backing will effectively go, which I think will happen. And to be honest, I think should happen. Not not for the reason that they are a Russian company, for the reason that they are so closely entwined with the individual who is orchestrating this invasion. That's the reason I think they should they should go. It's not it's not just because it's like ooh Russian company they're automatically bad. No, it doesn't mean that. And Mazepin put out a very good statement where where he said he is aware of what's going on. And and, and, and he basically says, please don't take it out on me. And he's absolutely right, because it's nothing to do with it. It's just unfortunate that he is from a country where this is happening. Um, So, again, going back to Haas, I've heard a rumour that Haas are going to be having a meeting with... Uh, one and One, who were who were the German, they uh, make Schumacher bring something because they're a big German, big German IT company. As um, you know, some people will probably know already, I've heard rumours that One and One are going to be becoming possibly the title sponsor of the team, and then featuring obviously a lot more prevalent branding. So instead of seeing Urakali has F1 team, we could be seeing One and One Haas F1 team. But that also leaves a question over the second seats, and I just want to throw something out there. We saw last year about Mario Andretti and Michael Andretti trying to get into Formula One. And we saw a thing recently where they've officially submitted a bid for to enter a team into the sport. It costs, what, 200-odd million to, get, to even get a team into F1 before you factor in all the other costs. Whereas there's an American team here that's already got facilities, it's already got staff, it's already got the infrastructure, it's already got everything you need to run an F1 team, apart from a good second driver. And it means he wouldn't have to wait until, what, 2024 until he uh, until he can enter a team. So, if the
0: FIA let him in or yeah, not.
3: Yeah, exactly. If the, FIA, if the FIA even let him in at all. So, wouldn't, you know, could, should, would, Andretti maybe join forces with Gene Haas and then sort of bring Haas to become like the Haas-Andretti F1 team. That's quite um,
1: interesting proposition you you make there Tom and that could be the opportunity that Andretti are looking for because they're they're staring at this sort of wall trying to get into Formula 1. There's a 200 million dollar entry fee and there's all this other stuff that Formula 1 just isn't looking for another competitor at the moment. It it could be the open door that they need to sort of barge in and say hi guys we're here Um, so it, it is a bit of an opportunity but I'm not sure I see them taking. I'm not sure I see Gene Haas taking them up on it. Even that, even though uh, the Haas team could probably do with the extra bit of funding. Although, um, from what I've heard and read, the Uralkali is not that. Why well, I say I say not that much uh, of influential backer. Obviously, it's the title sponsor, but they only give maybe 30 percent of budget, which is about thirty million dollars. So. It is, a, it is a tricky situation, and that they've done the right thing in taking the branding off the car because you're seeing across sport uh, that they're, they're distancing themselves from anything to do with Russia. Like the, the Polish football team are supposed to be playing Russia in the World Cup qualifiers next month, and they've decided they don't want to play them. And uh, the Chelsea owner is Russian, and he's handing the club into the care of um, people within the club because he for various reasons i'm guessing you can't do anything with it so formula One has to be very careful about how they police this and if someone sniffs an opportunity they have to be careful that that doesn't get spun the wrong way which it could do
2: um just with the andretti buying Haas uh side of things um he's tried to apparently millions of times and a quote from michael andretti directly is He's a funny dude. Hard to read. He could get sick of it. I don't know. So I'm assuming that's in regard in relation to the um, the multiple attempts to buy the team. As much as I'd like to see Andretti in Formula One, I'd like to see them as a standalone, like brand new venture. Um, we've not had that for a very long time. Um, just as an aside, but like this year, we're sort of locking in the power unit regulations for the next what three years,
0: four years a long time. 2025, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. 2025.
2: So yeah. You know, so after this year, it'll be, you know, three years of locked in engine regulations. That car currently has a Ferrari power unit. Trying to squeeze a Renault power unit into something that's not ultimately designed for. Uh, I mean, it could work. Like McLaren obviously did it shoehorning a Mercedes power unit into the back of their car last year when it was designed for Renault. So, I mean, it's, it's not entirely out of the question, but yeah, just with the overall situation, firstly, this is the ultimate definition, I think, in sport of a a team that just keeps getting punched down on. This was meant to be the year where they were going to sort of, you know, get their shit together basically and start making headway towards, you know, getting back into at least the midfield. And I wasn't really expecting anything much more from them than that. But yeah, at the moment, it's not looking... Not looking fantastic. So I don't think Haas will disappear completely. Um, they are going to have to juggle something in terms of title sponsorship money, basically, very, very quickly. If I'm honest, I think the euro uh Mazepin contracts have been dissolved already. I mean, they pulled Mazepin out of all media duties on Friday very quickly. They pulled Gunter Steiner away from media duties for Thursday, for um, Friday as well. Just, I think, that's possibly just so those two can actually go and actually sort this out um but i'm not i think mazapin's drive on when was it friday i think when he got a handful of laps i think that's the last time he's going to be in a formula one car at least for a you know for the immediate future just what you guys said as well about formula one having to be very careful with policing this i think there's only one way to do it and that is unfortunately to not allow mazapin to race and it's weird because a year ago we were saying Mazepin shouldn't be in formula one in the first place. And in some regards, I still think that's correct. I think what he did and we won't go into it because it's already been, you know, spoken about. I think that was, you know, an indication at the time that he might not be the right sort of character that um, formula One need at the moment. I'm honestly, I I feel for the guy a little because he, he did in all honesty keep his head down for the most part last year. He did do his very best in a car that was, frankly rubbish and that's, I mean, I was just hoping for a wee bit more for both him and Mick this year and it's all looking a little bit sketchy, but yeah, I mean, whether one-on-one, one-on-one, uh, one one, sorry, step up as a title sponsor, that would be great. One thing I did have pop into my head very briefly is we saw the renders last year of a German flag themed pass. So it was black with the red and white stripes where the Russian flag was and, um, on the livery, and that looks great. So there's opportunity for them to do that if uh, if a German company take over as total sponsor. But that's, you know, that's just a nice to have, I suppose. At the moment, they've got quite a bit of work to do off track. This is a very, very tricky situation, and it's not one that really falls under the team's control. They're just going to have to do not what the FIA say, uh, says, but what the FIA recommends. And there, I imagine there will be some very strong recommendations coming from the FIA. I mean, there are articles in the... International Sporting Code around uh, uh, Appendix L. I'm having a look at it right now. International driver's licenses, medical examinations, drivers, equipment, and conduct. Now, the conduct thing isn't really falling on Mazepin directly, but he is a representative of the country that he's from, even though he's technically not allowed to be because of the anti-doping side of things. But um, yeah, this is a a really tricky situation. I don't think we've had anything like this before in Formula 1. I think... Last major sort of driver conduct thing was probably Bertrand Gachot when he uh, uh, famously maced a taxi driver in London. But I'm trying to think of any other instance that remotely resembles this in any form of motorsport, and I honestly can't because we have not had two independent sovereign nations at war for a very long time, and it's it's bloody sad.
1: There is something uh, I can throw in for you Steve sorry to interrupt but I think it was in 1992 in the European Football Championship I think it was Yugoslavia were supposed to be in the tournament but then they were at war
0: Oh they got got
1: thrown out and Denmark took their place and went on to win the tournament so we might have a not necessarily getting people thrown out but when you say about Mazepin not being at fault for any of this and I think he's handled it pretty much as well as he possibly can do. Yeah, Maybe it's a case of he or the team standing him down almost for his own benefit because otherwise he's just going to be there in the firing line and people are already negative towards him. So it yep. might be his own benefit to be out of the firing line.
2: And we've seen the toxic side of the Formula 1 fan base very recently with the Abu Dhabi controversy and that sort of thing. And whilst that was a weird old time, people took that far too. Uh, far too extreme um, and yeah you're spot on I think people could make this very much personal towards Mazepin because that's just what some people do the, tri- the the other side of it Tom I think you mentioned regarding the funding that just simply won't happen so Russia's been I think they are now locked out of SWIFT which is an international transaction service um, yeah,
0: I believe so yeah the Hungarian yeah. I think changed their opinion on it
2: yeah, yeah. so I mean that in itself is going to make any sort of international monetary transfers quite difficult. Um, vast majority of Russian owned accounts offshore from Russia, so with held with European banks and that sort of thing, and being uh in the process being frozen or already are. If you're a Russian citizen trying to travel, that's basically impossible now. So you can imagine what it would be like for, um, you know, any sort of t- like. Not team personnel, but I mean, there may be some Russian team personnel as well who are sort of in the firing line for this and it's no fault of their own, but that's the, that's the thing. At the end of the day, this affects the incomes of, what, 500 odd people who really have no choice. The, the whole future of the team is a little bit up in the air, although I think they'll be okay, provided that they can get some sort of title sponsorship. Yeah, it's weird. It's a really weird time.
0: Yeah, just to sum up, um, I want to take this opportunity, I think. Uh, as you guys have said, this isn't Nikita Imran's fault that he's kind of, I think, more than likely to lose his seat. But um, as we've said, with the visa issues and things like that and, and the uh, and the banking issues now, just I think it's important to say to exercise kindness to any Russian people that you may actually know and come across, bearing in mind that, as has been shown with the incredible and I I think very, very brave protests within Russia that we've seen footage of, you know, this is... By the looks of things, without getting too political on it, it was, uh, actions from the top rather than from the entire Russian population, both in their own country and um, those that live elsewhere. So, you know, I think it's important to just make the point, you know, exercise a little kindness and understanding on this one. But Nikita Mazepin is sort of the high profile, the high profile version, the high profile sort of example of that. Um and, and how it can affect people. If Just I can to, add to that, Owen, sorry. Yeah, go on.
1: Um also on the exercise and kindness, but make sure people are looking in the right places for their news sources. Like watch the TV for the news, go on your news websites like BBC or Sky. Or if you want something that's like Formula One related, go to Sky Sports F1, go to the race, go to F1 Chronicle. There'll be something there that's written by people who know what's going on and have contacts rather than looking on social media where you get idiots who put ridiculous pictures quoting ridiculous things and that then just fuels the fire so make sure you're looking in the right places for what you want to know
0: yeah agreed yeah 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 objectivity try and get as many sources as you can from you know reliable sources and you know just to keep a, a hold of this issue yeah. and and what's going on in the world i mean that's a good advice for life but yeah but, but yeah. yeah i mean Contrary just to, come- to
2: what people who wear tin tinfoil hats will make you believe mainstream media is actually fairly reliable when it comes to uh, most things rather than social media and hearsay and whispers and my friend at the supermarket knows somebody who works down the road at a laundry that you know this bloke's done that or whatever so yeah definitely just echoing what aaron said like be you know use
0: due diligence and common sense when it comes to information 100%. Hundred percent. Just to round that off with Haas's on-track issues, bearing in mind that there were actually some quite interesting technical developments um, I saw at least. With don't know how legal they were, but the detached shark fin and cooling louvers on the rear of the car. I think you know it's clear that they've put in a lot of work over the over the time that they've had, which is why it was uh, annoying and uh, unfortunate to see things like cooling leaks, damaged floors, fuel pump issues uh, affect Haas's running. Because as much as they're the uh the whipping boy of f1 as it were you know we don't want to see them running around the back because as as has been pointed out there's 500 people's jobs at risk if if you know if they do badly so yeah it's just important to to keep that in mind right kind of ended that on a somber note i guess but be sure to like our facebook page and subscribe to our youtube channel formula one grid talk and ring the bell icon so you're notified of future shows when they go live or are released um we're available on verbal as well as amazon music youtube spotify google Podcasts. Apple Music, Omni Studio, and Pocket Cast. Just search F1 Grid Talk. I will now sort of throw it to the floor. Obviously, uh, we've got you, Steve. uh, Where can we find you? Where can we find what you do? Uh,
2: So Formula Shakedown, which is on uh, Facebook. Uh, So basically, just look us up. And if you like open-wheel stuff, so it is obviously mainly Formula 1, but there's other stuff on there as well. So we look at the feeder series and all your grassroots series, like Formula V and that sort of thing. And also S5000, which if you're... Australian or from the other bit next to Australia that people get confused for Australia or as a state of Australia or somewhere in Europe a lot. It's basically the, um, uh, it's the old Tasman series. Um, So these are now spec. I can't remember who builds the chassis. I think they're built by Delara actually. Um, And they have, uh, I don't want to get it wrong. I think it's a Coyote V8 in the back. They sound incredible. And basically it's a spec open wheel series that's kicked off in Australia. Looks like it'll be expanding into New Zealand as soon as pandemic sort of situation allows, which will hopefully be sooner rather than later. And the race is already uh, also broadcast on fa- uh, on YouTube as well, or you can at least catch highlights. So definitely look that up. But look us up. We're basically designed as a page to uh, or a group to um, to discuss all things open wheel and get away from the um, the toxic side of of motorsport, which um, seems to creep into most social media platforms. So, yeah, check us out, and if you like
0: what you see, then join. Tell them I sent you, or don't, because they might not let you in. Wonderfully said, Aaron Half. Yeah, Aaron, where, where can we find you?
1: So, I uh, am the host of the Five Red Lights F1 podcast. Uh, so, I'll be doing a Grand Prix caps after every race. I've been doing uh, this week a new feature called the Flying Lap, where I try and recap everything that happened on track. Uh, faster than the fastest lap time. Uh, so they're pretty short videos. So if you like your news quick, then uh, that's the place to go. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at five underscore red underscore lights, on Instagram, uh, five red lights, and I have a blog which is at five red lights dot wicksite dot com forward slash five RL pod blog. I think.
0: <laughs> I was going to say that the. That recap uh, in, in the fastest lap time, that sounds quite difficult As someone like, well, Austria.
1: <laughs> yeah, it it, it it can be done quickly, but some, I think the first time I ran over, but I'm getting better.
0: <laughs> Tom, where can we find you?
3: Yeah, so I am part of Everything F1. You can find us on all your social media platforms uh, with handle at Join EF1. You know, so that's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, we, have, we have a Facebook group as well, which is the Everything F1 Paddock. Uh, We have a YouTube channel, which is growing, uh, which is Everything F1. Find us on our website, everythingf1.com. And also we have our weekly podcast, which is the Everything F1 podcast, which is on all your favorite podcasting platforms.
0: Thank you very much. And if for some reason you want to hear me talk, but in text form, I do a meme roundup of almost every Grand Prix. We've got almost all of the ones for the 2021 Grand Prix twenty one yeah 2021 races a bit lighter just a bit more of a sort of internet savvy look i guess um try and take some of the um conjecture out of it uh and just laugh at both sides of the the particular arguments that happen to be going down in formula one this week so yeah that's available on sportlightpro.com uh and check out obviously all the other formula one content we've got on there so as uh, with regards to the podcast we've got a large back catalogue of shows uh it's over 160 160- Five, I want to say, yeah, 165 episodes now, including interviews with Mario osola with Pirelli, apparently they're very happy with their, their new tyres, apparently their, the new tyres are very, very promising um, as well as retrospective pieces on Tiregate and Senna, and if you're still stuck for to, uh, for what to do between shows, check out our subreddit F1 Grid Talk to give us suggestions for what we can do to improve the show, and perhaps su- subscribe to our Patreon for Mike's, bi- uh, Mike's bikes, Mike's lights and better recording equipment for our presenters uh, thank you very much for watching And goodbye.